Really, the goal is just to use our stories to bring veterinary medicine to life for the pet caretakers of the world. Uh, and we're doing it because we believe that educating these caretakers is the most powerful thing that we can do to improve the life quality of all of the pets that we love. Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Natalie Keith here. And Dr. Jessica Eastup, we're at Northside Veterinary Hospital in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Yes, the very one and only Northside Veterinary yes. Hospital in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Very specific. And you have found Vet Tales today. That is the podcast. And today um, we're doing a topic that um, that Dr. Eastup has a special interest in, which yes. is behavior. Behavior, animal behavior, yes. Um, something I've always been interested in. Okay, so how, why? Um, so actually my dog Rolo, um, we've had him nine years now, but he has had horrible separation anxiety his whole life. Um, so kind of having him, learning from him, um, has kind of piqued my interest and um, made, made me want to learn more about it to help other animals. Right, yeah. Um, well, that's great. I mean, because um, Vet Tales, that's the whole point, is like telling our stories, and this is your very own yes. animal. Yeah. Who you love dearly. Yes. And I, it was a rough go for many years. He would destroy doors, flooring, and clothing. He would shred everything. Was he a baby when you got him? Yes, he was, um, I think, eight weeks old when we okay. got him. Um, and then he was not left alone for the first two years of his life. Oh, uh, okay. Which is where that comes from. So he was fine then. Mm-hmm. Because he was never alone. But then uh, we're at two years of age, and he doesn't have a coping skill. Correct, yes. He did not know how to be alone. And the few times he was at that time, um, my now husband, who's my boyfriend then, um, the few times he did leave him alone, he'd, oh, he's just a puppy chewing on stuff. You're right. Right. Which was not the, the case. case. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because sometimes puppies do just chew on stuff. Yes. Um, when his, they're not watched. Because Correct. they can. Yeah. Um, but his was, I'm destroying everything because I'm scared. Oh. Yeah. So what'd you do? Um, so at that time, we put him on an anxiety medication um, for a while. Um, and then we just bought a really durable crate. Okay. <laughs> um, to keep him crated. Uh, and up until a year ago, we kept him crated every time we left. Okay. Yeah. So it was like fluoxetine? Um, yeah, it was amitriptyline. Oh, okay. Um, it didn't really, to me, seem to work for him, um, it just made him sleepy. Yeah. Uh, but did not reduce the anxiety. For sure. Um, so uh, really after a while we discontinued that. It didn't make a difference before or after having that on board, but we never tried another one. Yeah. Um, I didn't think to at that time. And then we just went so many years without doing anything else besides creating him. Um, and then eventually we got another dog and that made everything better and now we can let him out. Okay, I was gonna yeah. ask what happened a year ago, so. Yeah. Um, so year ago, you know, we bought a house, so I wouldn't mind letting him out yeah. <laughs> just in case he did destroy something. Uh, but we realized once uh, my mom would babysit him, she would just leave him at her house unattended and he would be fine. And we realized it's because she has other dogs and he wasn't alone. So oh. he wouldn't destroy anything. Oh. So we got another dog. We moved Sounds so simple now that you say it like yeah. that. Yeah. And so now we leave him out and about with our other dog, Corey, and he does well. Yeah. And they're fast friends. Was she a puppy when you got her? Yes. Okay. Yes. So brought her in as a pup and they bonded and now they're buds and they are never alone. Correct. Yep. Yep. So um, kind of a unique thing was he just needed someone. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's talk about just like why 
behavior? Like, why are veterinarians talking about behavior? Why mm-hmm. is this so important to us? Yeah. Um, so, you know, over the last decade, 20 years or so, uh, people have bonded, gotten a lot closer with their pets, with their animals, um, and they're considered family now more so than it was uh, 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so animal behavior has become a lot more important in keeping that human-animal bond. Um, For close, sure. Uh, because these close relationships we have with our pets, when there is what we perceive as a behavioral problem, um, that can strain the relationship, put stress on everyone, cause a lot of worry. What we perceive mm-hmm. as a behavioral problem. That's brilliant right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, because to animals. It's like a weed, right? Like what mm-hmm. makes a weed? It's just growing somewhere you didn't want it to be. Right, yeah, There's exactly. nothing wrong with that plant. Mm-hmm. How dare you label it as such? Yeah, so to the so, dog yeah. or cat, that's a normal behavior sure. for what they're responding to. Yeah, okay, all right. I've got respect for that. So I remember one time reading some horrifying uh, study about the number of animals that are um, abandoned Mm -hmm. because of what we are perceiving as behavioral problems. And at one point, it may or may not be true today, but at one point it was the number one cause of euthanasia. Yes. Um, I think it's either one or two. One or two. Or number one or two now still. Um, it is the number one cause of euthanasia animal Yeah, because even if they're, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Because even if they're not euthanizing the pet, they're abandoning them, surrendering them, right. get, you know, taking them to the shelter, and then the shelter's euthanizing them Correct. because of the overwhelm, which is right. just horrifying yeah. to think about. Um, so it's important. It is. It Saving saves their lives. lives. Yes. Yeah, saves lives. Yes. Um, just understanding it and working with it. And a lot of these things are manageable. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so what is our role as veterinarians, in your opinion, in this whole beast of a topic called behavior? Right, and it is a beast. It's huge. Uh, There's so much you can go into. Um, But our role is generally, for me, I feel is a starting point because there's so many options um, and ways to navigate behavior um, and behavioral abnormalities. Um, So really our role is to offer insight, Mm -hmm. um, things you can do at home, trainings you can do, offer medications if needed. Yeah. Um, Which medications are not the end-all be-all to behavioral management. No. They help mitigate. Yep. Uh, But that can be an important aspect as well. Um, And then for those cases that are just pretty severe, you know, referring out to either behavioral specialists, um, there are veterinary specialists Mm -hmm. that do that now. Few and far between, but they exist. Yeah, Yeah. and the trainers, God love them. Um, But there's a lot of steps that uh, we can help educate on to mitigate. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like not with puppies, but Mm -hmm. with adults, adult dogs, that the reason that the client has come to me Mm -hmm. is because they want a medicine to fix it. Right, yeah. Which... The way that my conversations with these owners typically go is like, okay, I think that, you know, medication can have a a place in this conversation because that when a dog is really, really anxious, worked up, scared, whatever the the overwhelming emotion can be described as, Mm -hmm. they are not in a great place to learn. Correct. Yeah. So if we can decrease that level of anxiety for training 
times, you know, so Mm -hmm. you got to do something with it. So Mm -hmm. you want to decrease the anxiety and start taking them on the leash walks and take them to the behavior class, you know, and start reconditioning to them to their crate or whatever the thing is. Now their brain is calm enough to learn Mm -hmm. something new instead of just being like in straight panic mode. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And And then hopefully get them off meds. Right. Yeah. And that is the goal. Um, And it's exactly what you said. It's to put them in the right state of mind. Yeah. Yeah. I learn nothing when I'm panicked. Yeah. I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) Brain shut down. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yes, for sure. Um, I mean, with the exception, I guess, of like maybe storm phobias, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that that could be like a lifelong thing that you're just using like during the 4th of July or during the thunderstorm to get you through that moment. Um, Although, I mean, I I think probably still there's a place for reconditioning in that. Um, I don't stress it as much. But when I have a client come to me and they're just like, my dog has xyz behavior problem what medication do you have for Mm -hmm. that i try to create this expectation of like hey this is only going to help so much as you are retraining those right built-in habits correct yeah yeah and it's all about combining all those things because unless it's just storms or fourth of july that they just need one Mm -hmm. medication or just when they go to the groomer right um the training is just as important yeah if not more important yeah um, than the medication interesting so okay um what about let's do the puppy thing though Mm -hmm. let's talk about it from a puppy's perspective right like when do we start working on this stuff when is it a problem Mm -hmm. what is normal what is not right where do we go for help start working on it day one as soon as you have the puppy um and this is where you do the easy training you know the sit the stay crate train them work on working on their ears and their paws all touching them yeah Yeah, all these normal puppy things that seems so simple and not like like they're not a big deal, um, but by doing this, you're laying the foundation um, for training in the future. You're building confidence in them, and confident pets have less anxiety. Yes. Um, and you're starting, like I said, this foundation on on you know normal puppy behaviors, fixing them before they become problems yeah. later on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I um, I guess my experience, it, you know, Ruben is my. Um, let's see he's coming he'll be two this december so i yeah isn't that wild yeah i'm almost to three (laughs) when i make it to three i hear it gets better um no he's actually a really good dog he's just high energy because he's a german Mm -hmm. shepherd you know um, i've I've talked about him before on other podcasts but uh he responds definitely better to my husband who's just a little more like you know dominant Mm -hmm. than i am by nature um but we for sure like put him in in I sent him to a behavioral trainer for three weeks and um it was you know pivotal mm-hmm. in our relationship with right. him because I can put him in a downstay on his spot and he'll stay there while I need to do things and mm-hmm. um you know when you have a 95 pound puppy uh yeah. you've got to have some kind of control over That's them right. um and so you know and and helping him with housebreaking and helping him with um you know uh feeling comfortable in his crate mm-hmm. and sleeping through the night and all those things right. she helped us with and we did that pretty early i, I want to say he was maybe 15 weeks mm-hmm. or so or 16 weeks when i sent him yeah yeah uh, to the trainer and and uh and then she came back and actually went through training with me um like every couple of weeks for several times, four or five times, just to make sure I was getting it. Because so much of, this is why I struggle with behavior, if we're going to be honest, Mm -hmm. is that it is a little bit about helping the dog and a whole lot about helping the person help the dog. Correct. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, a lot of people are hesitant to take their doctor training because they've had experience in the past or, you know, you can train your dog to sit, um, shake and all those things. And that doesn't mean you're not good at training. Mm -hmm. um, it's just these trainers, you know, they've practiced, they've yeah. learned, this is what they do. And by taking them to these trainers, um, you're, it's more focused. They're focused on learning those mm -hmm. behaviors you want them to perform. And like I said earlier, you're building confidence in these pets because when a, a pet knows what to expect, they don't worry. Mm -hmm. So you're building behaviors um, that they can expect from you that they know are going to happen so they don't have to stress about it. Yep. Um, and so training isn't a bad thing. It doesn't mean you don't know how to train your dog either. Um, it's well, helpful. And as my trainer would say, a, a well-behaved dog and a well-trained dog mm -hmm. are not necessarily right. the same yeah. thing. Yeah. So you can train them. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're well behaved. Right. And so, um, and, or, and then back to the point of like, you know, what does behaving mean? And it, right. usually for us, it means like not destroying our property, yes. not injuring people and, right. and things like that. But a lot of it is you, I've heard you say in different ways over the, you know, the past 12 minutes, um, fear, afraid, mm -hmm. confidence, you know, like, like making them feel secure. And so, so much mm -hmm. of it is about, you know, giving them this sound mind so they're right. making better decisions right yeah exactly um, when it comes to dogs and uh, and a lot of this also kind of goes with researching the breed yes. you're going to get um it just properly doing your research because not all breeds are for all families mm -hmm. um and like i could German, I love German Shepherds, but man, <laughs> yeah, like one of my favorite breeds, but they are a lot. Yeah. And well, Dr. Goodall and I talked about this on our, um, the pet ownership, mm -hmm. um, episode where AKC has like this, uh, quiz you can go on and mm -hmm. take and help you pick the right dog for you. Yeah. And I am a hundred percent sure I will never come up with German Shepherd. Yeah. I just wanted one so bad for so long. Yeah. And granted, um, I, I've been fortunate because Ruben is really sound minded. Like mm -hmm. he's not fearful. He, right. you know, a, a, a fearful German Shepherd is a danger. Yes. And there's a lot of them. And there are a lot of them because I think a lot of people have this concept of, I only want them to like my family. I've actually heard this mm -hmm. so many times, even by people who raise German Shepherds. Mm -hmm. um, they will say, I only want this dog to know my family so it will be um you know um protective, protective. they think it's gonna be protective because it's not going to trust other people but that is really just a dog that's extremely insecure with anyone but the family right. and that doesn't allow them to make good choices right yeah and can make it harder medically speaking oh gosh when we need to work on them yeah or save they don't trust us like to yeah, yeah to help them when they need help medically right. it's a right. fiasco so that's a, a big part of behavior as well as knowing what you're getting into so you can help start at day one and go from there what is um, this breed going to need of yes, us yes. yes yeah if you don't want to do a lot of training like maybe think about a basset hound yeah yeah they don't do much they don't <laughs> yeah. some of them are active but you know they're just you don't need to train a basset no no <laughs> i met a mean one one time it was quite oh. shocking yeah that surprises me. Yes, yeah. yeah, it was. I was really surprised. But um, then that particular Bassett ended up having puppies later, and her puppy was really aggressive. Really? Yep. Genetics do play a role. Um, yes, nature and nurture yeah. both matter. So anyway, um, okay, so let's just say, Dr. Eastup, that um, a client comes in, and let's say that let's give him a golden doodle. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your first words that you're saying to them? Like, what should I be doing? How can I 
uh, start working with my puppy at home. Yes, so uh, working with your puppy at home, um, so all, all the important things are uh, teaching them basic commands, you know, sit, stay, lay down, um, playing with their ears and their paws, um, just their body as a whole because when Rolling they Rolling them over yeah, so you can see their tummies. Exactly. And, yeah. When they go to the vet or when they go to the groomer, um, they're going to be touched all over. And those can be sensitive areas, especially if they've never been touched before. Um, so we have a lot of patients that can become fearful or aggressive when we start trimming their nails or cleaning their ears. And these are things they might need. Mm-hmm. Um, but can be difficult to do and so doing that from day one yeah teaching them it's safe yeah um, it doesn't hurt right and crate training crate training is really important um because a crate can sound bad but if you do it properly it can actually be a safe space for them to go to when they're scared or when you need them to go lay down when you're doing something or when you have company over um so creating a safe space and a crate for them um, that they can go to that is only their space that also helps if they ever needed to be hospitalized, um, mm-hmm. that they can be in a crate. Some animals that have never been crated before panic, but they have to yeah. be in the hospital because they're so sick. And they'll become really cage aggressive, and yes. it's very difficult for us to help them. Right. And so if you do that early on, that can help mitigate that as well. Um, so those are your basics. Socializing. Socializing um, when you're fully vaccinated. Um, so that's kind of the hardest part right there mm-hmm. is... We want, they need to socialize with people and animals early on. However, we don't want them to get sick. Yeah. Um, so they don't need to go to the dog park. They no. don't need to go to the store or anything. Um, but introducing them to new people as often as possible in a controlled setting. Like um, going to grandma's house. Correct, yeah. And if you know the animal, like it's your mom's dog. Yeah, and they're vaccinated, um, they're vaccinated healthy dogs. Yeah. And- introduce them um, and it's always with when you're introducing to new animals and people it's always a slow thing um, don't just bombard them with five dogs at once yeah um, I mean how would you scary. feel yeah that's scary so that automatically creates a memory a core memory that they got bombarded by five dogs yeah, and that's scary memory. yep uh, yeah okay so what if we do start having problems mm-hmm. and we are feeling overwhelmed like um, a really common one I have is the little dogs that will continually bite at ankles right. or chew on fingers mm-hmm. um, or, you know, take food from the baby. Like mm-hmm. what what are um, places that they can go for help? Yeah, so um, there's usually I recommend a trainer um, just versus um, sometimes people will look online and I do think there's probably good sources online um, to learn to train those habits away but there's also a lot of dangerous material online. Mm-hmm. so you mean so instead of like diy right like yeah. get a professional correct and yeah. not just like an obedience class correct you know you yes. can train your dog to sit yeah. you can watch youtube and figure that out right. but like you need somebody who like my trainer it was like she understood what my dog was thinking which mm-hmm. i'm relatively good at that as well you know yeah. just what we do and and that's part of why we wound up where we are um but like it, it was like she knew exactly how to get a certain response from mm-hmm. him to be able to reward him and repeat it and so forth. So they've just got this really innate skill set. They do. And they do it all day, every day. Yeah. Know? And there's and, a reason they're doing it. Right. And that's not to say we don't understand animal behavior, but we have a bunch of other yeah. <laughs> stuff to do as well. Yeah. And, yeah, a lot of times what we're trying to do is is quickly resolve an ear infection yeah. or a broken toenail or spay a dog. Right. We don't have time to like spend weeks 
Oh, because I mean, Training. Ruben, yeah, yeah, stayed with her at her house for mm -hmm. several weeks, and so it's an investment. Yeah, um, and so it's those professional trainers, or in severe cases of anxiety or anything like that, behavioral specialists, um, as that is an increasing area as mm -hmm. well, um, if needed. But for kind of the general puppyhood stage into training, um, uh, a good trainer yeah. um, cannot be undervalued. One of my favorite things to recommend for people to do at home is structured leash walks. Mm -hmm. And then I always follow it by saying, and I don't mean your dog walking you, I mean you walking yes. your dog. Yeah. Because it goes back to the safety, feeling safe and secure mm -hmm. and confident. They need to know that you are in charge, that you're like, I've got this. And they can just relax then. Right. If they think they're the one in charge, then all of a sudden everything is like, am I in danger? Am I not in danger? Should right. we attack them? Should we not attack them? Right. And everything is a question. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're trying to uh, quickly decide all of these things and it creates a lot of anxiety for them right. and again a fearful dog is a dangerous dog yes. and so when you're giving these structured leash walks and you're in control of that then it allows them to start to trust mm -hmm. and to relax right yeah and builds they know what to expect from yeah. you and physical activity is great for everyone's psyche yes. you know just emotionally mentally helps clear the mm -hmm. brain and I would encourage people to try to not always take the same path Mm -hmm. you know, have two or three, you know, right. so that it doesn't just become so monotonous that the brain just goes on autopilot and mm -hmm. misses the opportunity to, you know, learn in that time. Right, right, for sure. Um, and not taking the same path is so important for that reason. It's yeah. Just, okay, we've walked this 500 times, we're going to walk it again. Nothing ever happens on this walk. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and it, it can be hard. I particularly, I live out in the country, but I, I almost feel bad for people who live in town in communities that don't have um, a lot of great stray pet mm -hmm. um, control because mm -hmm. that, that can sometimes be dangerous. So just being aware that, you know, there may be a rogue dog out, you know, so maybe making sure that the areas you're walking, you feel comfortable, that you know what dogs would or wouldn't be there, that mm -hmm. they're all going to be leashed and things like that. Right. Yeah. And an old neighborhood I lived in in Stillwater, uh, I couldn't. And no matter what route I took, I could not find a route where dogs were not just lunging at yeah. me or my dogs. So it just didn't walk them there anymore. Yeah. Mm, not worth it. So it's it it takes time, but it's worth the effort. Yeah. 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 So those are, that would just be like the thing that, to watch out for. Yeah. But yeah. leash walks in general, if it is possible for you, can be so therapeutic for everybody involved. Yeah. And then part of that's training them to leash walk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. having a dog leash trained is an imperative life skill for them yes it is um everywhere they go yeah i mean they need to be on a leash everywhere they go trying yeah. to drag a 140 pound great pyrenees into the vet clinic because mm -hmm. that they you know injured themselves and you know have some kind of infection or whatever and you can't get them to walk that's a problem right yeah it is so um okay so um let's circle back on anxiety meds because that's okay. what really people want from a veterinarian yeah you know, yeah so like Break us, break that down for us. Yeah, so anxiety meds, I kind of talk about it in relation to people. Um, when it comes to anxiety medications, every dog responds to them differently, um, just like every people, every person responds to them differently. Yeah. So not every medication will work for every dog. Uh, and generally speaking, um, for most of our long-term anxiety medications, they take six to eight weeks to take effect. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a solid six to eight week period there where you're just kind of trying to grit it out yeah um so that's also why it's not the end-all be-all that's why you also need to do training 
uh, as well, another reason. Um, so there's a few options that we have, uh, and it's kind of figuring out what works best for your pet um, and which one they respond to, um, basically. Yeah, so you've got, I mean, and we talked about, like, amitriptyline. We mm -hmm. talked about fluoxetine. Um, but, the, yeah, they do. They take so long mm -hmm. to, to work up. But they're, I find them to be best for things like chronic anxiety. Yeah, so, like, separation anxiety, yeah. generalized anxiety. Um, I have a lot of Aussies that just are anxious Yep. about anything and everything all the time. I wonder um, if I was an Aussie in a past life. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, so I have a lot of those that are just always anxious about anything, everything, all the time. Um, and so these medications for separation anxiety, generalized anxiety, can really help. They can help in fear uh, as well. Um, fear and phobias tend to be associated with events more or less, um, but generally they can help with those yeah. as well. I think it's interesting, too, that sometimes this this is for our cat people if we have a um, a cat that is having some behavioral issues and you think it's anxiety but it's actually a bully behavior mm -hmm. then you can put them on this medication and drastically make it worse right yeah because you're supposed to give it to the victim yeah not the bully yeah which yeah. can sometimes be harder to discern than you think yeah cats are their whole they're their own. They're their own can Yeah. Yeah, not um, tiny dogs, as they say. Their behavior is completely different than dogs, um, and often for many different reasons. Yes. Um, cats are just weird. Yes. Um, so for them, it can be getting down to a lot of underlying problems with them, and a lot of times it's an underlying medical problem. Yeah. Um, unless you get to the bully kind of scenario. Yeah, yeah. If, it's, if it's an environmental stressor. Right. You right. know, that's a whole other... Yeah, and cats can get stressed out about the weirdest of things. Yeah, people are like, how can she be stressed? She sleeps 23 hours a day. And I'm like, you'd be surprised. There's something. You probably bought a new box into the house. <laughs> how dare you? And that was enough for them to settle. Yes, you yeah. changed the sensey. Yes, they're and weird like that. Yeah, um, but very stressful. I typically find it's easier to treat cats behaviorally um, just because once you start asking questions, you find out what changed, what's new, what yeah. medical condition they have. Um and most of the time, it's something that's, oh, we found it, and mm -hmm. we can work on that. Um, a lot yeah, dogs. and there's, I feel like that some of the more um, natural, like, pheromone-based anxiety mm -hmm. reducers are much more effective for cats. Right, yeah. You know, they have got the, the feel-away. Feel I use feel-away for my cat. Yeah, um, which has all the, you know, got the, the room diffuser thing, mm -hmm. plus the collar, the wipe, the all spray. The things, everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then the calm food by Royal Canin right. uh, for those chronic UTIs, yeah. uh, which are usually anxiety-based or stress-related right. um, or stress cystitis, whatever, um, that, that food is, is um, remarkably helpful because yeah. you kind of, I sometimes feel silly. Like, here, have mm. them feed this food that says calm on it. It's going it to help. Works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. But it does. It does. I, I use it for my cat. The it's the DHA calm. in it, yeah. which, yeah, like mother's milk hormones stuff like that mm -hmm. and then of course the the feel away i believe is the pheromones that are based off of like you know when your cat's happy and Sick they drool plants. and they yeah. like slobber everywhere it's like this is a safe place yes yeah it's um, like lavender for your cat and it does seem weird yeah um, but it, it works it it's does it's wild yeah dogs um, don't seem to respond the same way because they have like the feel away has a, a daptil is the mm -hmm. dog counterpart to that and i have not really been super successful yeah. with it i haven't heard much successful about it in general yeah um, and I 
I don't know just the difference between cat and dogs, but they are very different behaviorally. Yes. Yeah. Safe to say. Um, and then like the other, I guess, back to the anxiety medication conversation, you know, we've got this, uh, you know, these long acting ones, which, you know, for more of your anxiety um, lifestyle, I guess. But then we do have things like trazodone. Right. Uh, we use really commonly um, Xanax or alprazolam mm-hmm. for those incidents. Yes. So I'm afraid of storms, the groomer, the vet. Yeah. Fireworks. Yeah. Um, yep. Things like that. Um, and I typically always see pretty good response. Yeah. Um, occasionally I'll have a dog that just laughs at the face of trazodone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cats, you can use gabapentin as mm-hmm. a, as a per incident right. anti-anxiety medication, which is great because it's so safe. Um, but, um, but yeah, I just had one the other day that um, trazodone just not, mm-mm, mm-hmm. maybe even made the dog worse. Yeah. And some of those drugs can very rarely cause the, the opposite to be worse. Res- yeah. yeah. Um, opposite response. So. Very rarely. I haven't seen one yet though. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it was just like, I think in those cases I start to wonder, is it not anxiety based? And so mm. you remove the anxiety and now whatever else was bothering the animal is just more prominent. Right, right. So who I don't knows? know. Yeah, who knows with them, but um, definitely like those for the situational anxieties yep. um, or fears. Um, and we don't typically like to use those long term, um, not because they necessarily cause a problem, but they're useful for those situations. Yeah. So you know, we want to be able to use those on those situations that it's much needed. Yeah. Um, rather than and on dogs that are like, like, okay, so here's an example. Um, I actually, these two, these two Pomeranians came in today just for their, uh, heartworm shots, but, um, they are a wild little pair of Pomeranians and mom had to move and she went from like this big house to an apartment or townhome oh, yeah. kind of thing. So mm-hmm. like we've got shared walls mm-hmm. and these dogs are not okay about it. Not okay about it. And they yap because mm-hmm. that's what yeah. Pomeranians do. Yep. And who else is not okay now is the neighbor. neighbor. Yep. And so she's like, I'm going to get kicked out of my townhouse. And so she's got the dog going to um, a, a dog trainer. Perfect. Proper yep. dog trainer. Um and we're going to start the anxiety medication, like fluoxetine, but, like, what do we do right now? Because it's really only bad when the mom is going to work, which was only, like, three days a week for a certain peri- period of hours. So mm-hmm. it wasn't, like, a ton of, of time. Right. Um, so we, we actually decided at that point to put the dogs on trazodone mm-hmm. in conjunction with the fluoxetine. So I've got something immediate right now on the days that you're going to be gone mm-hmm. while you're in training and we're uploading the fluoxetine into the system for long-term anxiety relief. And then our hope is that, you know, after this move becomes old news, you know, 6, 8, 10, 12 months down the road, right. we'll be off all medications. Right. So um, so that's just kind of an interesting um, situation or right. case where I feel like all of those things came into play uh, out of absolutely nobody's fault mm-hmm. and everything else had been fine, but it's, you know, uh, kind of like Rolo's situation where it's like everything was fine until the environment changed and now we have a problem right. and we got to figure out how to get back to normal. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for those Pomeranians, that was a completely normal response. Yeah. Well, who wouldn't? Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, that's, that's for them something normal. So it's, it is what it is. Yeah, it's like, work with you it. know, circling it back to the German Shepherd, like mm-hmm. you want him 
to or her, but in my case, it's a boy. Um, you want him to bark at someone dangerous. You do not want him to bark at your neighbor and her kids right. when they come over to bring you muffins. Right. Like yeah. we've got to, you know, we've got to figure out how to teach this dog what is really dangerous versus not. But mm-hmm. if he really thinks the neighbor and her kids and their muffins are dangerous, then he's doing his job. Right. Yeah. And so the same for the Pomeranians. They're just trying to alert mom that hey, the situation this is, is wrong. <laughs> wrong. This isn't where we live. We're in someone yeah. else's house. We need to evacuate. There's something going on on the other side of this there, wall. We can hear people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's for animals, they're normal behaviors. They're normal. Yeah. To, them. to us, they're abnormal. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, and you could go on like quantifying that for ages. Like you take a dog aggressive dog. Um, you know, the pit bull gets a bad rap for it because they do, some of them were bred to be dog aggressive. And so for them, that's what they were supposed to do. But obviously it's wildly unacceptable behavior. And so we have to figure out how do we help this dog learn a new way or at least avoid scenarios that could be problematic. Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of those, there are, I don't want to say severe, but there are cases that do get to a certain point that you may not be always able to fix it completely, Mm -hmm. but you can manage it. Yeah. Um, And as long as you're willing to manage it as best as you can and recognize your dog's limitations, Mm -hmm. you can still live a really good, happy life with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Understanding what they can and can't Mm -hmm. handle and what potential outcomes of certain scenarios there are, you know, um, it's, it's a big can of worms and, you know, and, um, like, not to get downtone, but uh, on the Rainbow Bridge episode, Dr. Mm-hmm. Dame and I talked about there are certain behavioral cases that do end up ultimately being euthanized because of the danger that that animal is posing. Right. Um, so, okay, so if, what a dog I mentioned then was this um, Great Dane that was um, older but not old, like maybe six or seven and had attacked a little girl unprovoked, bit her on the shoulder, put her in the hospital. Mm. And the dog had been exhibiting some increasingly odd behaviors over the past few months, and the owners just, like, literally couldn't. And so I could understand why euthanasia makes sense. But then you take uh, Sandra, uh, one of our girls, has a dog named Ivy, and she's, like, a little corgi mix, maybe, like, 20 pounds. That thing is, like, she back in her prime. So this has been, gosh, seven, six, seven years ago, this dog was a land shark and would bite small children on a whim. Like she would see a tiny human and attack. And, um, it was a problem because Sandra's family would get together and, you know, lots of Mm -hmm. them, there's, you know, big family all get together. And it was like a big issue that this dog was biting children, all those kids, you know, but she, she didn't cause as much trauma. It was like, ouch, you know, it's a bruise, maybe a scrape, maybe a puncture, but you know, the damage was more minor. So at this point, Sandra did all the things. We, we went into, uh, she went with Lorenzo's dog training mm-hmm. group, and she was strict with it. She followed all the rules. We did some anxiety medication initially, but not a ton, if I recall, um, which I may be a little bit wrong on that, but Sandra could correct me either way. Um, and now that dog will play with kids. Yeah. It took about a year. Yeah. Um, but because that we had lower stakes in the game if you will Mm -hmm. we were able to use that time 
and, uh, and, and Sandra was able to physically handle this dog. When she would get up and try to run off, Sandra could grab the leash and right. put her back down, which where you can't do with, you a, can't do with yeah. a 160 pound Great Dane. And so, um, and sometimes behavioral issues can come from true neurologic disorders like a brain tumor that's growing, yeah. which was my personal suspicion with that Great Dane yeah. based off of their um, description of some of the behaviors. Mm. I, I feel like the dog had developed a it's brain probably. tumor and became sporadically aggressive yeah and those are those are the hardest yeah uh, it happened to my family's dog um he was 11 or 12 had always been the sweetest black lab never had a problem and then suddenly he just started attacking the other dogs in the house at random um and kind of eventually came to the consensus he had cognitive dysfunction yeah um, so doggy alzheimer's and i mean there's not you can't really do much to that yeah. because just like Alzheimer's with people, they just lose it progresses, awareness yeah. and it progresses. And um, my mom is tiny. My mom's 90 pounds and my dog, the dog was 90 pounds and she kept having to break up these fights. And at some point um, he almost bit my mom, not purposefully, but just in the middle of in the, the middle scuffle. Of it. And at some point, you know, we had to come to the realization, you know, no one's living a good quality of life here, and this is only going to get progressively worse. Mm -hmm. um, so we had to make a hard decision with that yeah. as well. Um, yeah, so I, I think, which, you know, as much as I hate going there with it, mm -hmm. I also think it's important to, to like, acknowledge to people who found themselves in that situation mm -hmm. that we get you, too. Right. Um, and so, which is much different than, hey, my dog won't quit peeing in the house, so I dropped him off at the shelter. Right. Um, and those are the situations we're trying to avoid. Yes. You know, you have tools, you have research, resources, you need to nip it in the bud, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and try to get these pets the help they need to, to learn better behaviors so right. you don't destroy the human-animal bond. Yeah, right, yeah. And so it's understanding a lot of them are fixable. Yeah. Um, even curable um, if you yeah. just work on it and then there are those rare cases that they have it's, a brain tumor or yeah. they have alzheimer's or yeah. you know, things like that, that yeah just... so it's a whole spectrum of things mm -hmm. um and, and i think if you're not sure if you're listening and you're not sure what to do um if you're you know if you're local we we can tell you who Mm -hmm. we would recommend uh, for whatever problem you're facing. You know, if, if they've got one problem, I might recommend somewhere versus another problem mm -hmm. might be better suited for a different trainer. Um, and then we're, you know, we're here to help you with, with quick ideas on, on things and mm -hmm. kind of listen to where your problems are coming from. And uh, Dr. Estep especially really enjoys going deep on those behavior cases. It's mm -hmm. one of her, besides being an amazing surgeon, which is, <laughs> my favorite thing about her because that means it's less surgeries I have yeah. to do I like internal medicine um so yay Dr. Easton that's what I'm here for yeah that's right you cut out those foreign bodies um that your dog ate because it wasn't in a crate yes <laughs> no I'm kidding we're not judging uh my dog uh, it's amazing I haven't had to have Reuben in for I know foreign body removal. having a puppy we just got a puppy and it is amazing I'm re reminded Yes. What puppies eat. You turn your, your back one second and mm. they're, you know, they chewed up the remote control mm. and. Oh, yes. He's chewed up ours. I've never had a dog I, you know, do that. When I was in vet school, I had a dog jump up onto my desk and get my glasses down and chew them up. I was like, what? And they, they were like metal and glass, like, I mean, or plastic, whatever yeah. lenses are made of. Uh, but it wasn't, wasn't like they were even like plastic. Uh, I, I, weird. Why? <laughs> Why? Know. Yeah. They'll pick up the weirdest stuff. So yeah. hopefully no judgment because I'm experiencing it again. Yes, we are there. with you. We, <laughs> yeah. Yes, we could go on for days of our own dog problems. Yeah. So 
anyway um yeah it's a it's a big topic i think you know down the road we could definitely start chunking out more specific behavior issues and and walking through those but all of these early onset podcasts i think our our goal is just to touch the high points and and categorize things and then come back later for specifics so if anybody's listening has questions um you know comment on the podcast uh send an email to northside veterinary hospital in shawnee um, we uh, love your questions because that's the whole reason we're here is to answer those questions uh, that we've already been hearing. So yeah. um, any other parting words of wisdom? Uh, nope. If, really, if you ever have any questions, seriously, just call. We're happy to talk with you. Um, we'd rather help you get that figured out than anything else. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool, cool. Y'all have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye.